Welcome to the Dynamics Hot Dish, the podcast where Ashley Steiner, Allie Nelson, and Liz McLennan dish up the latest news and insights about Dynamics and the Power Platform. Join us to explore business applications and low-code development with tips, tricks, and real-world experiences. So grab a seat at the table and let's dig in. We thought we'd talk about the concert we went to like two weeks ago, Allie. Oh, our concert. I was thinking that you were going to say that you and Ashley went to a concert too. (laughs) No, I've not been in in Texas recently. (laughs) Allie's like, tell me more about this concert. (laughs) So who'd you guys go see? String Cheese Incident. What kind of music is string cheese incident? Well, that's Allie a good is the, the cheese connoisseur, so <laughs> I'll let her describe the band better. She's you've seen them a lot more. This was my first time seeing them. Yeah, and I love that that was your follow up question, Ashley, because most people go string cheese. Is that the band name? Because uh, it just seems super random. But yeah, so it's like. Um, bluegrass music like jam band type music so it's definitely jammier bluegrass music and they mix in so many different styles too so um you know each each song kind of has its own flair to it and it's there's two drummers you know a hand drummer and then a drum set drummer they have a mandolin and they have a guitarist and bass and keyboard which i know liz was drawn to the keyboards the whole time being a piano player herself so I know yes. that was really fun for her to watch too. Yeah, we had a great spot. I could actually see, which I'm so short. That's rare for me at concerts, but we were like right up front. No one was like pushing. You could dance. And I'm like, this is great. I can see everyone. <laughs> it was for how packed it was. It was surprisingly spaced out. Like I wasn't getting bumped all over the place. We were in kind of like right up against the railing, but right where people walked down. So it was, it was a super good spot and we were basically front row and it was just it was really fun there's a lot of dancing and really good music and the kind of concert where everybody's having a good time and you can tell that they're all having a good time so yeah. no mosh pits at the bluegrass concert <laughs> Not <really>. no mosh pits <laughs> ellie how did they get their name do you know because it is such a funny band name yeah, I'd have to, I remember that there's some story about like moldy string cheese and they sing about it in one of their songs. And I think it's something like that, <laughs> but something along those lines. That is not as exciting as what I've always pictured. I've always pictured like the incident being like a string cheese fight. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I would prefer that. That'd be really, really, really cool. <laughs> that can be the new story. We'll make up one for that. Yeah, there you go. A food fight involving string cheese. Are they popular or are they like Minneapolis based? They're from Colorado. They're from, they're based out of Colorado. They're super popular. They've been around since the early nineties, I want to say. But they're the ones that like headline music festivals. So like people go see them at Electric Forest was their music festival. um, And then they have a giant following and lots of people like follow them around the country everywhere. Um, Like right before they were in Minneapolis, they did two nights in Chicago. So yeah they're huge it was a good time too bad we can't play any of their music on here because then we'll get copyrighted but go look them up (laughs) we can sing liz will sing i'm I'm volunteering you to sing (laughs) no No. i was surprised too for someone like to be so big they actually took a break 
Like they did a set break. Set break. I only yeah. ever see like when smaller bands play, I guess. And I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, that's another thing that when you said that when we were there, I kind of take it for granted because I'm just used to it. I'm like, all right, it's up break. Let's go get a beverage and let's use the bathroom or whatever, you know, and yeah. you're like, wait, there's a, there's a pause. But yeah. Timberlake did that. You can really? totally see our different tastes and like, I guess what we go see. But yeah, Justin Timberlake had no openers. It was just him for three hours and he took a 15 minute break and that's it. Three hours. That's actually like very impressive everything like all of his like first album because this was um when 2020 came out that that not the year the 2020 vision like that's the the cd i think that's when i went and saw him and yeah so it's three hours non-stop and he dances like he is on his feet the whole time and um yeah and then anybody even saying like his entire new album and all it's crazy yeah three hours 15 minute break that's impressive yeah. That's very he's like impressive. the one person I would like spend a ton of money. He's it's probably the best concert I've ever been to. He's just mm. such an entertainer. I love there are it. Very different spectrums of music tastes on this one. But truly, For it's life. all about the talent, right? Like I can appreciate just talented artists, and I I would go see Justin Timberlake for sure. I think that'd be amazing. Yeah, I would too. Yeah, see, we're on board, Ashley. Next time he comes around. I heard music festival, but I'm not going to that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the next time. <laughs> yeah, the next time he goes on tour and yeah. just like show up at a festival. Yeah. Um, all right. So getting in today's topic, we're kind of completing our series. I think this is the completion of our kind of like training yeah. and uh, UAT. Today we're going to be talking about change management. Yeah, and training in UAT are part of change management, in my opinion, but there's so much more to change management than just those two topics. Um, do either of you want to start with just what change management is at a higher level and why it's important? Well, I thought it was funny because when we were talking about this series and we were like, oh, we should talk about change management. And I think it was the first thing you said was, but we are like everything that we've been doing and talking about is change management. So how do you like have a separate conversation about change management when everything we've been talking about is change? So it's almost like this should have come first. I guess what comes first, the chicken or the egg? See, I didn't, it's like, <laughs> I didn't want but, this to come first because I thought it was, if we started with it, it would be all about training and UAT. Probably. And I guess I was thinking about all the other aspects of change management because I feel like those are the two that I see get the most attention, but they're not the mm -hmm. only things. Yeah, and so I think that that's, agreed a hundred percent and I think that's where some people get the confusion on change management because they don't realize like how big it is and there's change management through the entire length of the, the project or anything that you're doing right so if it's a project or if it's just a, a field change there are still there's a change management aspect to all of that so so I agree Liz because I was like should we talk about it first and then break it down or should we like end with it? And and I, I think that there's good and bad to both. But I, I agree. I like that you said it's focus. all through the project because you have to start it in the beginning. It's like one of the first things you should think about and you shouldn't save it for the end. And so often people save it for the end or don't do it at all. So start it at My the beginning. <laughs> is somebody said, I was like, oh, how are you prepping your users for this? Oh, well, you know, if they want to do their job, they'll just realize it and find out. Oh my gosh. It's probably the funniest thing I've ever heard someone say. It's like, wow, your users must be unhappy. 
But they just really don't know how humans work then, do they? <laughs> or care. I think maybe it's a mix of both. Yeah. Anyways, so I didn't really answer the question that you asked, Liz. I just kind of expanded on what you said. That's a good example of how change management comes into play, though, a lot of the time and how we see it. And really what it is, is taking a look at people who are going to be impacted by the project or the change that's coming, identifying what's changing for them, and then being able to give them tools to be prepared for that change. Right. And that's a very short summary, um, but that's what change management means to me and exactly why you want to start it at the beginning of a project. You know, much like um, when you're trying to gather requirements or build for a project, you want to know who you're building the tool for. And it goes hand in hand with change management. There is why are you building this for them? How is it going to impact their job? How is it going to differ today than how they currently do it? And how can we help and coach them through it so it's adapted well? And people just aren't going to do the change. Most people just won't actively adopt the change if you don't put that plan and that effort into it. Um, have either of you heard of the change curve? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. So like that's the classic. Um, I have it up on my screen. So that you, you make a change. There's denial, there's uncertainty and confusion. So it kind of like dips down and then you come out the other side with acceptance and problem solving, and then you kind of adopt the change and move on. But the whole thought around change management is that everyone's going to always go through that curve, but you want to flatten it and like make them get through that bottom part as fast as possible. So you don't want people stuck in the, the blaming and doubting and uncertainty and that kind of negativity around the change you want to get them out the other side as fast as possible and what happens if you're still at the bottom of that curve when go live is approaching right people are going to be terrified they're not going to want to do it they're not going to want to use this tool so again why it's good to do this early on because you don't want them to be nervous and stressed as soon as the tool gets released yeah yeah i think also if it takes too long Right. So like if you continue to talk about it and amp it up and like, OK, this is coming, this is coming. And then it never does. That can also hurt the curve, too. So like you might have all the support and everyone might be all for it. But if it takes forever, I'm working on a project right now where I can think of that, where people were excited. Now they're just coming up with other solutions because, OK, we got them all excited. We told them the, what was coming and it never came. Yeah, it's hard to keep that momentum up indefinitely. Right. That's a shame. Yeah, we're working through it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and that's, you know, the timeline factor, right? So, like, if you have your original go live date, you make your change, you know, management plan according to that, but the project gets pushed out for whatever reason, maybe the scope changes or there's resource changing or whatever, you know, then you have to kind of readjust that. But, yeah, it's hard if it just kind of perpetually gets pushed out. Right. And keeping that momentum and people excited about it is a part of that change management, right? So, okay, we've identified early on that the timeline's moving. How do we want to communicate this? How can we keep people excited? What's going to differ for them and what messaging can we send to them so they continue to be excited throughout this? Um, 
you know, it's like when you're in the heart of a project and you kind of know most of the chaos that's going on because you're so deep in it, but a lot of the end users don't see that chaos. So it's kind of like, how do we message this to keep them excited, but also keep them informed? Whereas internally you might be thinking like, oh dang, this project is getting pushed off again. So you kind of have to take a step back and think about how to send that message to the users. Yeah, and really putting yourself in their shoes. Like a lot of times you have personas and so you can kind of tailor the communication to the different persona that's being affected by it. So, you know, defining what their role is, what they care about, how they're going to use the system, how it impacts them. And like, you can kind of map that all out and then have, you know, tailored communication out to the, the different audiences. Liz, we're cut from the same cloth. This <laughs> was the first thing I recommended to this company when I came in was like, we need to identify who our people are and we need to start doing change management differently. We can't talk to everyone the same way. Anyways, oh, I love it. I got a little like sputter <laughs> excitement when you said that. So I was like, oh, I do know what I'm doing. And I know it's extra work, right? So it gets oh, it's cut. A ton of work. It gets cut. It gets postponed. So you have to have, you know, enough support and, and kind of time to put into it. But I see so many, so often in projects, like people are so focused on the technology and the technology solution, but humans are using the technology. And if you don't get the human part figured out and get them using it, it doesn't matter how awesome your system is. It's not going to be 100% automated, right? They're still going to have to interact with it. And so you have to think about the people part. You can't just ignore that. And I feel like we, it's hard to keep that top of mind in our industry because it's just so much about the tech all the time. I agree with that. And for both of what you guys just said too, impact assessment is another part of change management, right? And that's exactly what you two are both describing is you wanna sit down, you wanna identify the users. And a lot of the times too, you need to push the stakeholders or the people that you're meeting with to get the full list of people impacted by it. Because truthfully, we I keep saying user, but it might not be users of the system who are impacted by the change. Right? There might be downstream people who are getting their reports in a different way or downstream people who need to be notified in a different manner where they're used to you know, doing this one way, but now the system changed, so they have to switch and do things another way. So it is not only looking at the users of the system, but everybody who is impacted by the process change that's coming along with the technology change. And then doing an impact assessment on that and identifying what is changing for them. What's their current process? What's their new process? What's the Delta? And helping them through the change as well. Because that's, you know, you don't want a project to go live and go, oh shoot, we forgot about, about accounting and that the, this impacts them. And then you have to catch them up really quick because then they're not going to be happy about a change either. Yeah. I think that raises a good, I mean, I think I asked the same question on training in UAT, so you guys are going to be like, oh, again. But I think, so my question for you guys is who? So who is involved in the change management, right? Who's Who do you communicate to? And then my follow-up to that is like, when do you start that communication? Because I think that those are two key things. Allie, to your point, I think you answered some of the who, but the when as well. Like, how soon do you start? the change management is part of the project with the end users or whoever is impacted. So you mean communicating to the end users or the impacted yeah. individuals? Okay. Yep. I can talk I think, about who. Yeah, go ahead. want to talk about when, Allie. <laughs> sure, um, yeah, yeah. So like who gets involved in change management, I think really depends on 
the size of the project and kind of the size of the company. So on very large projects that kind of enterprise level organizations, it's common to have a dedicated OCM consultant. So you would have someone in there that is just doing that and their full-time job is change management. But that's not realistic for every organization or for every budget. And so a lot of times, you know, it's someone wearing multiple hats, either on the consulting team and or the, the with at the client. Um, but ideally, you have two people working together. So, you know, it shouldn't just be the consultant, just like training that is just doing the change management work. It should be a partnership with someone that's accountable and responsible for that at the customer as well. And some partners have dedicated change management people, but you know, it's kind of common to have a project manager, a functional consultant, a BA, a trainer kind of step in and help fill that role if there's not a specialized dedicated person doing it. I think to that point, even if the consultant does have a change management specialist, like I think it's more them teaching the customer the actions that they need to take, right? Because I know that as an end user, as an admin, it, the communications always came better if it was from somebody internal, maybe not me as an admin, but, you know, prepping the executive sponsor or, you know, somebody as part of the project, that kind of thing. So, so to, your, to your point, Liz, maybe the OCM, like their job is to make sure the customer is doing change management, not necessarily doing it for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like not taking things for granted too and assuming that people know what to say Right, because a lot of times on projects do you assume, oh, well, the leaders will surely be telling their teams what's coming and you can't do that, right? Because people get caught up in what their work is and what they're doing and they might not know how to communicate or people assume that, oh, everybody must be aware that this is coming or bystander effect, eh, someone else will probably take care of it, right? So that's a big part of change too is helping drive communications. And the kind of segue into the, when does this occur? You know, as soon as a project starts, you have to know who you're building it for. So you're gonna start with the end users at the beginning of a project while you're doing business analysis work anyway. And then that kind of goes hand in hand with change and they would start doing impact assessments and figuring out who the impacted users are. And then start coming up with even a communication plan of how do we need to inform people that this change is coming? What does the timing of those communications look like? Um, and then really what you'll start doing is building out a whole schedule throughout the course of the project of when certain activities have to occur. So you might do that impact assessment at the beginning. You might start communications throughout the life cycle of a project. Uh, change managers may also facilitate training and say, okay, people need to be prepared for this training coming soon. It needs to be done within this time frame so we can make sure that go live is on time all of those things. And so really that's why it's important to do it at the beginning of a project, because if you don't get that timeline built out appropriately and you know training is taking place at the same time as testing, which is three days before go live, you could be in a world of hurt. So I think that the sooner you can start it in a project, the better. I like that both of you brought up management and executive sponsorship, because I feel like that's another big factor that can be easily overlooked is like not planning an approach of how to get like the appropriate leadership team members on board and have how important their communication is about the project. So whether they're just misinforming people or there's no communication, or I've even seen managers be highly negative of a deployment. And it's like, 
no, you can't say that to your team. You can't tell your team that you're not going to use it because then they're not going to use it. So just the importance of the leadership involvement. I just, yeah, I don't know if either of you have thoughts or stories around that. Yeah, I have. Well, I've had a manager, one of my managers in the past, use a very un-PC name for those people, which I won't share on the podcast. They take their ideas and they negatively impact people around them. Um, I mean, you see it on every project. There's always one manager. There's always one. It doesn't even always have to be a manager. It can just be someone who's going to be impacted by it, um, by the, the the change or the project or whatever, and they spread their negative thoughts. And then people who were on board are like, oh, you raise a good point. Or, oh, if my manager doesn't care, why should I? Mm-hmm. So. And I think that that's a huge part of change management too, when you're starting to identify the people that are impacted by the change or that play a role in the change is identifying what their role is in that regard. Are they going to be a promoter? Are they going to be a detractor? Are they just kind of neutral? And then maybe the people who you know are going to be negative need some more special attention. Or, you know, maybe the people that are positive, you want to be changed champions, you know, people who are going to be excited about the change and promoting it. And you can grab those people and work with them to tell them like what the messaging should be and how they can help promote things. While meanwhile, you grab the people who are going to be your detractors and say, okay, how, what do I need to do to get you on board with this change? You've been vocal about it, or I know you've been talking to other people. How can I work with you to get you on board with this change? And and it's totally okay to identify people into different categories so you know how to work with them throughout a change. And I think that's really, really important. And, uh, you know, I'm even thinking back, Ashley, as you were talking to what I said earlier about when you're in the thick of a project, it might seem stressful, more stressful than it actually is. And so you don't want people who are like, heavily involved with the day-to-day going around going, oh my gosh, this terrible thing just happened today. Because what they might not do then is go back and say, oh, but it got resolved really, really quickly, right? So so you got to just temper your communication to people, especially being cognizant of the ones who may be detractors for the project. It is a lot more fun to talk about the things that don't go well than like all the cool stuff that's, that's happening. So yeah, I agree, Allie, like making sure that you're censoring, especially those people that are like going to be end users and they're part of the process, right? They see the good, bad, the bad, and the ugly. Um, I think preparing them for how to engage with people is important. What other aspects are there to change management that we haven't talked about? I'm sure there's so many. I'm trying to think. There's there's like whole certifications that you can get on change management. I'll say I've considered yeah. doing that as well, like becoming a certified change practitioner um, because it's, it's huge and there's so many parts to it. And just to be able to coach people through changes and identifying the people side of an implementation. Um, you know, a lot of folks who are change managers are tool agnostic. They're not familiar with all of the tools that we're using and nor do they necessarily have to be. But what they need to be able to do is identify um, who is being impacted, what the change is occurring, and be able to communicate that effectively with the end users. And I just want to make that clear, too, that, you know, you don't have to be in technology necessarily to be a successful change manager. That's a good point. Um, What certifications have you looked at before? Just the ProSci one, the ProSci Certified Change Manager. That's the biggie. Mm -hmm. You guys are so ambitious. I mean, we haven't done it. No. <laughs> I didn't even know those existed, so you're 
Yeah, ProSci is the one I've always heard of. Um, and I believe it's based on the the Agcar model, which is a book. And I actually have the book sitting in my bookshelf. And I was like, oh, I should read it before the podcast. And this was like I two feel... days ago. And I was like, no, I don't have time to do that. <laughs> I feel like the amount of times that I've heard Liz bring up Agcar, like I could probably like start to put that away in a bank. Like if I had a dollar. Seriously? Brought it. Seriously. I don't bring it up that much. It, but we, yeah, you have. You have. When? I'm going to go back to all of our old podcasts, and I'm going to, like, clip out. Like, the, the last change management podcast from, like, two years ago? No, not that specific one, but others as well. I hope you're not confusing it with the Addy model, because they're two different things. No, I am not confusing okay. it. I have no idea what you mean by that second one. Okay. <laughs> well, now you have to explain what it is, Liz. We just talk about this in our spare time, you know, Liz and I sit on the phone on like yeah. Friday nights and talk about Agcar and change management. I personally haven't looked at Agcar in probably a decade, hence why I was like, oh, I could reread this book. It's one from college for me. And so I feel like I'm not, it's not recent enough for me to speak about should it. We, Other than that, it's a common change management model. And say, should we, it doesn't Agcar stand for something? I can tell you Addy is for like instructional design and learning. <laughs> yes, you know what it is. Yes. I oh, didn't yes. talk about it on the training episode because we ran out of time. Okay, so AGCAR stands for awareness of the need for change. The D is desire to support the change. The K is knowledge of how to change. A is ability to demonstrate skills and behaviors, and then reinforcement to make the change stick. They'll try to come up with an acronym for everything because, like, none of that, like, should be an acronym. But I see, I couldn't remember. I can remember what Addy stands for, but I cannot ever remember what this stands for. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, usually it's like one word per, that's just lame. Awareness, desire, knowledge, ability, reinforcement. Okay, fine. And that's what we've basically been talking about. Mm-hmm. Just not necessarily in a, an order. <laughs> But I do, so the one thing I think that you touched on there is the desire. Like, it can't be just the people making the system changes or, like, leadership that want to change. You have to create that one team to change among your own team. Because the project that I'm working on that maybe has taken forever, they're so stuck in their ways that they're like, you know what? Even if you made it better, I don't know if I would change. Because, you know, there's just nothing driving them to want to. The what's um, in it for me. Exactly. And <laughs> yeah. I've even said that, you know, and they're like, no, it's, a, it's not about me. It's about other people. And I'm like, no, but it's about you. Because, like, <sighs> if we're going to make this change and you're not going to adopt it, like. Then why are we doing it? Exactly. <laughs> so, so I, so I, I think it's um, the desire, I think, is a good one that maybe we haven't talked as much about. Because it's not just the desire of the people initiating the project or management. It's about making your people want it as well. Um, or doing the changes that came from them. Because if they suggest something or complain or have a frustration, that immediately, hopefully, would create some desire. Yeah. For sure. And, like, maybe grabbing those people and getting them more involved with the project if they have no desire and they're not seeing the impact to them or how it's going to make their lives better, then maybe you decide to get them more involved with the project and say, okay, if I get your hands into the system, you can see all the changes. Will that get you more excited? Um, and it's just understanding your people. And again, why you the IT teams will partner with the end users and management and leadership and the stakeholders. 
right? So they know their people the best and they'll be able to collaborate and help identify what categories they fall into. And, you know, maybe it is involving people more, maybe it's involving them less. If all they're spreading is bad things that are happening, then maybe you don't want them as involved with the project. And it's really understanding and recognizing that. Anything else that you guys, this is, honestly, this conversation has been so valuable for me because I'm in the midst of it right now in a project. I know like UAT, you were doing that alley at the right time and like we're kind of, I'm working on a project right now. So this has all been really helpful and things I need to go back and think about. Anything else you guys wanted to add or share? I would say just these are all topics we could talk about for forever. And if, you know, there's interest in wanting to learn more about them, you know, maybe in a future episode, we can pull on specialists in certain categories too. And, you know, we'll leave it up to the listeners to let us know if these are valuable and we can come back and go into more detail as needed too. Thanks for tuning in to Dynamics Hot Dish, your go-to podcast for all things Dynamics 365 and the Power Platform. If you found this episode helpful, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. And don't forget to follow us on social media for even more insights and updates on the latest trends and best practices in business applications and low-code development. We'll be back soon with another delicious serving of Dynamics and Power Platform goodness. Until then, keep innovating and building great solutions.